Do you believe that you can manifest miracles? Or are you simply right now lost, tired, uncertain, and not loving on the life that you've built? Then this episode is going to spark so much joy and possibility in you. Sit back, enjoy, take notes, and just soak it all in. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this untapped podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, then this is the podcast for you. Oh my gosh, I've got such a great episode for you today. Like always, I would hope. I have brought in the one and only Lana Schlafer. She is a mindset coach, a law of attraction expert, and the author of the best-selling book, Manifest That Miracle. Learn why you don't have what you want and how to get it, literally. And that's what we talk about in today's podcast. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands to manifest what seems out of reach, including crossing seven figures in their business, healing from a chronic illness, and meeting their ideal partner. Lana's energetic personality, you're going to love it, and she's got the no-holds-barred approach to coaching. She's been featured in Forbes, TV One, NPR, all the good things. But more importantly, in this episode, we talk about her journey from living in Siberia, growing up in Russia, to now being in beautiful Puerto Rico, and the traditional life path that she was going down in investment banking to totally transforming and changing her life because She knew she had to in order to truly live it, as well as exactly how she did that, what she does now to help people. And then we went into the seven common limits to creating miraculous results. We literally go through all seven of them. I'm so curious to see where you think you are sitting with some of those, whether you have some of those limits, and we can hopefully help you like just be so much more conscious of how to be grateful for exactly what you have right here right now. In fact, some of the insights Lana dropped in this episode really, really resonated with me, so I hope they do with you. Without further ado, let's jump in to episode 91 of the Untapped Podcast. Lana Schlafer, welcome to the Untapped Podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here. First off, we'd love to know, how do you tap into your potential and get paid to be you? I feel like the tapping into my potential is sort of my main purpose, my main focus, and has been for the last 15, 20 years of my life. So the actions I take are all the mindset tools that I wrote about in my book, Manifest That Miracle, but really the focus on prioritizing my growth, and I call it keeping up with myself as a full-time job. That is what fills my cup and overflows into my relationships, my marriage, my kids, my family, my clients, and how I get paid for it. I feel like I've sort of rigged the system that (laughs) I get to share my growth and my journey and all of the professional and personal experiences and tools that I have 
to create an environment where people tap into their full potential and do it faster frequently than the traditional tools that have been accessible to them. And I feel like getting paid for it is just the cherry on top, right? It's work that I'm already doing that I'm already loving. And the fact that it is something that is meaningful and rewarding financially as well is just I rigged the system. I win. You did. did. You're the master (laughs) manifester. So I'd love to get you to give some context of how you got to the stage, because I'm sure there's a juicy story behind how you've gotten to this point where you've manifested miracles and you're loving life and you're helping others do it. But I'd love to take us back to the Lana, even like 10 years ago, where were you at? What were you doing and what's led you to this path? I feel like we got to go back 39 years ago, because not a lot of people know that I'm originally from Russia. So I grew up in a communist country at the time. And up until 12, my world was very different than when I came to the US at 12 and had a complete sort of new set of paradigms, experiences, perspectives, and new sets of opportunities. And I really feel like that sort of framed a lot of my life later that I didn't realize at the time that I was sort of pulled out from everything that was familiar that I knew placed an environment where I had to rediscover myself and learn a lot of things very quickly and learn how to adapt, but also bridging the two worlds. And I fulfilled the American dream to the best of my abilities. I worked really hard. I went to the best school that I could possibly imagine. I had lots of job offers. I worked in investment banking. And I thought that I could create enough external success to feel like I am okay, really, that I can live day to day and not be miserable, depressed, anxious, and lost. I felt broken, really, for most of my life, and especially after we moved from Russia to the U.S., And so my journey into this really started from, I can't keep going like this. I don't want to live anymore. There has to be something more. There has to be something different. And it was a really big break from what my grandparents and my parents had the opportunity to do. They just had to survive. I had a real chance at creating something beyond that, but I had no clue what that was. So that sent me on my journey of learning, well, doing therapy, a lot of therapeutic modalities, and then studying yoga. I became a yoga teacher, personal trainer. I went to grad school for transpersonal psychology and was going to be a therapist. I worked as a success coach at universities. Like I've approached it from all these directions. (laughs) Yeah. And almost uh, exactly 10 years ago, I, as I was in graduate school, we got engaged and two months later found out we're pregnant with twins. And that's when the tire hit the road for me because I had been doing all this personal growth and I felt like I learned a lot and created, you know, healed from eating disorders and depression and a lot of things. But now I was going to bring humans into the world. And that's a whole other level of responsibility. And for me, I was just like, I don't want to repeat the patterns I grew up with. And so we had an extraordinary six-day birth. They were born 33 hours apart. So my kids have different birthdays. And that was the biggest miracle that I had experienced up until that point. And I had to call it a miracle because it was nothing that I had seen, heard about. And all of these mindset tools, I was literally trying out at a higher level because it mattered so much more. I knew Mm -hmm. that if I ended up sort of in the hospitalized version of this. There's a real risk to losing a child or losing my own life. So for me, it started the journey of recognizing we are so much more powerful than we are 
realizing ourselves. And since then, I mean, I've manifested dream homes, cars, but most importantly, are the relationships that I've created. And now we live in Puerto Rico, my husband, and now I have three kids and have created a life that for me growing up in Siberia was such a pipe dream. You might as well fly to the moon. So this is what I end up teaching is that I don't come to it from a dogmatic or religious or spiritual perspective. I come from it. Don't trust, test, experiment, Mm -hmm. find out for yourself. These are the things that I found are really effective and impactful. And most people, once they try them, just see the results for themselves. And then they're like, why didn't I know this sooner? Yeah. Okay. So much to dive into. What a fascinating story. Thank you for sharing it. And I imagine Siberia to Puerto Rico is the insaneness on the spectrum. So far as you can get amazing there. And I know you're surrounded by great entrepreneurial friends that I have there too. So I'll need to come visit when we're able to. It um, it just talk me through, you know, this investment banking career that you're in to completely like leaving it all behind to just dive into yoga and personal development. For people listening, obviously you needed to do it because it sounds like your life like depended on it in many, many ways. Um, How did you make, I guess, that transition? Was it that you just kind of quit everything cold turkey and went, I need to do this for myself? Or how did you support yourself during that time? Because I just want people who are listening to know what's possible for them, especially when it comes to them, because you're your number one priority. It was very ungraceful. And unlike (laughs) a lot of my, I guess, more... American friends that have families here, I knew I couldn't ask my parents for money and for support. I had no sort of backup. I mean, I did end up living with them at some point. So that was what I could count on, but there was no real safety net for me. It was, I had to figure it out. So got to the point where I thought I could just switch and work in a more meaningful way. So my first move was I'm going to leave investment making. I'm going to take a year And I'm going to find a more meaningful career. So I went from making six figures to $39,000 a year as a success coach for this startup company where I had 72 students a week that I was coaching at a university. It was like an insane workload. So I was still working crazy hours like I didn't make it, but now getting paid so much less. But I did like have a new perspective that there is meaningful work because I loved it. It's just that the money was so such a drastic change. It was like, I couldn't even live on it. So I stayed there for about a year. And then I thought, you know what? I have enough money saved up for me to take maybe, I thought maybe three, four months off to go study yoga, to fulfill this dream. Yoga was such a meaningful part of my healing Mm -hmm. that I wanted to give back. I never thought I would like do it full time. But after I started, you know, studying and teaching, I really wanted to make it full-time. I loved, I I had a knack for storytelling, for healing. I could maneuver a class with five people or 50 people. It was, I really stepped into my zone of genius. But again, you are driving from class to class. You're getting paid maybe 30, maybe $40 per class. How many classes can you teach? I was making even less money. I was running through my savings very quickly. (laughs) So I started looking for jobs. And for the first time in my life, I was unhirable and unemployable. And looking back, I really feel like I manifested it. I created this. I really did not want to go back, but I tried. (laughs) I tried to squeeze myself back in to this like tight space. And I would nail the interviews and sometimes I would even progress further, but something would inevitably happen 
that would not sort of close the deal. And there was a period of about six months where I just thought maybe I lost it. Like I'm not as smart as I think I've nailed every job before I've gotten everything I wanted in terms of career wise. What is wrong with me? And I feel like it led me to the path of what's wrong with me, not just in career wise, but still I feel this wound and I I'm off track. I started in my yoga teacher training is where I got exposed to Abraham Hicks and law of attraction, mindset work. So on one hand, I was opening up to more understanding awareness than ever. On the other hand, I was really feeling more and more limited and stuck than ever. I had run through all my money. This was like a year long period. I couldn't get a job. I'd run through all my money. Teaching yoga was not paying any bills. And I ended up having to move in with my parents at like 28, which was the hardest, most humbling, most like, you know, I used to pay for my parents at like 23, Yeah, you know, so the role reversal, it was difficult. It was also incredible because what it made me realize is that, you know, I really want to study healing. I really want to give myself an opportunity. And I thought about getting a PhD in psychology, but I ended up interning in a PhD lab and realizing I don't want to be anywhere around this. I actually want to have personal healing and be part of transformation, not just doing research. So I started applying to graduate schools, which was a huge permission slip for me. I wanted to major in psychology. I wanted to do this early on. My parents were like, no, this is crazy. This makes no money. Don't do it. So I, I was sort of like saying, you know what? Can I swear? Because <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm, a, I'm like, fuck it. Like enough of me trying to live to somebody else's standards. I just couldn't take them. And I had nothing to lose anymore. So I applied to grad schools. I was going to take out all these loans to go to grad school. My parents thought I was crazy. And that's what I essentially ended up doing. I ended up going to grad school, taking out a tons of loans. And then all of these things started happening, bada bing, bada boom. I started graduate school. All of this healing was happening. I felt like I was really stepping into what I wanted to do and could do as a career, though I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a licensed therapist. And then my boyfriend at the time who had been, we've been dating, but we broken up for eight months, showed up. And that's why I said he proposed. And within a few months, I'm pregnant with twins and my life took like this totally different direction. And then I did something else that most people wouldn't do. I went back after I had the twins and started working as a project manager. They kept throwing more money at me and more hours. And I did not want to do that. It was like soul crushing. And I would look at my little kids and be like, guys, I think you need a, like a, a mom that is happy more than you need toys and vacations. Mm-hmm. And so I took my 401k and cashed it out. And that is how I started my business. I was like, well, mm-hmm. let's give it a real shot. I cashed out. I don't remember how much it was, 40K or whatever it was. And I told myself, this is my salary for my first year. I don't have to make a penny. Do the training, do what you need to do. And that was the best decision I made, but it was so scary. It went against every value that I'd been raised with. I questioned and doubted myself. But honestly, I just felt like if not now, when? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that you just cashed that up and and took it as your salary. I think that's genius. And it also gave you a really great time limit. Like you've got a year, obviously, if you're not earning at the end of that, then you can choose something else. But obviously during that time, you manifested the heck out of it. So yeah, I would love to sort of learn what you did to make that first year a success. And when did you know that you were really all of these modalities and all your learning combined and all your life experiences had come together into this thing that was just so right for you? 
I feel like what I did is I really invested in professional development. I knew I had to figure out website and marketing and all these things that I knew nothing about. So I invested in B-School, Marie Forleo's program that people might be familiar with. That tapped me into a really incredible community where a lot of my connections came. My first course that I designed like towards the end of that year, actually, I, I couldn't afford to hire anyone. And there was a woman in B-School that I swear just showed up. I manifested that energetically. And she's like, hey, I actually want to create courses for a living, but I haven't done this before. Can I create a course with you? And I'll just take a cut of your first launch. And so she worked for 20% launch. My first launch made 30K. It was amazing how I attracted the right people. So I did B-School. I went on my first Abraham Hicks cruise, which was a lot of money. But it ended up being the best client creator for me because I knew I'd been studying this and practicing it at a deeper level of understanding. My personality is to go deep anyway. So when I would get in the hot seat and it's in front of a thousand people and talking, I would get attacked afterwards with questions. And I got so many clients just from Hmm. doing my own personal development, essentially in a public way. And that's sort of been my Hmm. MO is I share my growth. What I couldn't do as a therapist, which is why I didn't end up doing is I had to sort of keep myself a black box. I couldn't really do a lot of sharing of my personal journey. So I did what was most to me authentic and natural is I shared all the good, all the bad, all the sideways, all the ups and downs and everywhere else. And I shared what worked for me. And that was the greatest marketing sort of lesson I could have gotten. And I did it sort of naturally and un, you know, not skilled. And it had enough momentum where I hit challenges in my business later is when I tried to scale it because Mm -hmm. this was more organic for me. And when I tried to scale it, I ran into all kinds of trouble. So building a business versus monetizing your passion are very different things or building a company. That's where the biggest challenges in my business and my professional life have been in the last eight years is I did not know how to really create a company. I didn't know how to hire. I didn't know how to fire. I didn't know what support I needed. Like, and it would be so emotional and so much of my energy would go towards it. So oh, I hear you, you know, sister. I hear you. Right? Yep, definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's like you need to go to so B school for learning the digital marketing and online stuff, which is, you know, a lot of people teach that. And those are the fundamentals that you really need to master. And then you can start outsourcing. But the actual, how do you build a business that scales? And how do you lead a business and step sometimes even away from the role of being the CEO of yourself into, you know, sometimes even moving out of that role completely so you can stay in the strategic aspect or the coaching teaching aspect is something that that really isn't taught as well. And that's why people join things like the 10K Club or Masterminds, or as you said, go on a cruise. I didn't realize Abraham Hicks did cruises. They did did cruises and like land cruises, they call them. So they're a week long workshop and you're just in a location together. Yeah. Ah, okay. Awesome. That makes so much sense. But that's when you need that kind of support. You need Lex level support of people going through it yourself, of people who have been there and working it out along the way. It's just so important. So I'm saying this for everybody listening because just don't try and do it by yourself. And that's where coaches come in, all the good things. So yeah, I'm really glad you said that. Right. And I feel like this is a phrase that I knew, but until I got to Puerto Rico and saw people that were, I guess, such movers and shakers and visionaries, and there's so many of them from 
all kinds of different sectors from tech to healthcare, whatever. But this is the consistent thing that I notice about them. And I sort of nailed it into my head, though. I, this is still a growing edge for me, is that the level of your success will be determined by the level of support you can create. Yeah. And that was not something I was taught. I thought I could do it all on my own. You know, I had that kind <laughs> of go-getter in the bed. And that actually, it worked towards the beginning stages of my business and it backfired in later stages. So I've had to reteach myself. And what served you, Wayne Dyer has a phrase, what serves you in the morning of your life may not serve in the afternoon of your life. So mm. this was a season where, you know, summer clothes are appropriate in the summer. And here I was in the winter and my summer clothes freezing. Yeah. So growing, you know, personally, and then growing professionally are so key for anything. And I just think we don't value it enough in our society. We value services like trade, like get your teeth fixed, get your car fixed, get your whatever. But what about actually creating a mind that can look at solutions instead of problems? You know, because it's not as measurable, it's not as valued, but I think it, we're, we're really transforming. The industry is transforming as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Oh, so many juicy things to happen too, but I totally agree. And I've been there myself, just coming back to that aspect about what worked for you in the beginning isn't necessarily going to work for you down the track. But what I would love to just actually start talking about is these eight common limits to creating miraculous results. Because I know this is the work that you do. I know you've written your book on this. This is what you live and breathe, tapping into potential manifesting miracles. I would so love for people to learn the eight common limits to creating miraculous success. And I'd also love to share your new soon to be launched book, which is super, super exciting. And congrats on that, by the way, because I know what a journey that is. Did you say that it's taken you sort of two years to birth it? Is that right? Oh, many more years. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, depends on where you start. But yes, it is already out in some variations, Kindle and audiobook and the print yeah. book. I'm like... I get to hold my author copy and it will be out soon. So, manifest you know, manifest that miracle. Manifest that miracle. You know, it was a title that I kind of fought with the editor because I'm like, it's so like, you know, does it sound too new agey? But in the end, I just leaned into it. I mean, if people get to know me, they realize I've got my feet on the ground. I'm not so woo woo. There's no crystals all around me. I don't do chanting, though I'm all for it if you do. But yeah. I feel like the title is about manifesting your miracle and that miracle. So, in chapter 11, I talk about the common limits that people have. And the reason I wait till chapter 11 is because I really want people to sort of see some of the results and experiences and understand that they are going to hit blocks and limits. It is going to happen. It's not if, it's when. Mm -hmm. So I want them to be prepared to be able to ride those expansion points, as I like to call them, instead of thinking something's gone wrong. Oh my God, I'm successful or this, you know, situation has resolved in this way. And now they just think that nothing else is going to go not as expected, right? So the eight limits are, and some of these will be, you know, the overlap, obviously. Upper limits. I think people are very familiar with fear of success and inner mm -hmm. limit of how good we can allow things to be. Self-sabotage, regression. If we have a chance to talk about it, I really feel like an upper limit is overused in the coaching industry because people make it like a bad thing. I'm like, every time you grow, it's like if you grow from 10 to 12 years old, your clothes are just not going to be fitting you anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's a natural 
healthy experience that you will have. So it is not something that you've done wrong. It is not something to fear. It is almost like the prize for getting to the next level, right? So I hope that people sort of accept it as par for the course and can celebrate when they actually hit that upper limit. That means that you made it over, you're hitting up against the ceiling, right? It's an exciting thing to break through to the next level. Lower limits are the ones that are more commonly known as fear of failure, stagnation, depression, denial, suppression, powerlessness. So it's sort of like one is hitting the ceiling, the other one's hitting the floor. Hmm. This is also periodically going to happen, though typically this happens when you are not giving yourself permission to acknowledge or do what you know you need to do. You're typically not going to lay there on the floor powerless and stagnant, (laughs) right? Unless you have in some way so moved away from what your heart, your soul, your life is calling you to. So the lower limits frequently show up with people when they have a lull and then they get scared that it's going to turn into a depression. They fear the lull more in some ways than they fear the actual big thing that they think it's going to happen because in the past, maybe they've had depression, they've had challenges. So If you are already fearful of hitting the floor and hitting the ceiling, unless you can somehow always magically stay floating in between, you're going to feel like you are not succeeding. And I think that's a missed opportunity. That's really recognizing that you're going to be up, you know, bouncing between all of these limits and that they are all like weights, like resistance. We talked about that you did a CrossFit class. How different would the CrossFit class be if there were no weights and no resistance? Yeah. Not very handle. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, they keep, they actually, it's a reward to get more weight. That means you got stronger. That means mm-hmm. you are building the muscles, right? And your power and agility and all of that. So the next one is friendship limits. Number three, fear of leaving others behind. Mm. The tall poppy syndrome as well, thinking you're going to stand out. Who do I think I am? The savior complex. Sometimes you're trying to drag everyone along with you because you're like, I can't go without them. And this could lead to feeling alone desperate a lot of times and regretful because you're like, why did I stay in this relationship or why did I tolerate this, you know, imbalance in my friendship where the friend just took, 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 and I just gave, 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 gave. This will drain your energy, right? This won't allow you to actually feel like you're filling your cup and overflowing. So anything that depletes you obviously depletes all of your creativity, your capacity to actually you know, take action and do good work. So friendship limits are very subtle, but for a lot of people, sort of the social space where they're in, they're afraid to step out because this is familiar and everything else isn't familiar. But the truth is they're more miserable being the outsider, being the different one and being in uncomfortable power dynamics already. So I always say that the hardest thing is where you are already. Everything else on the other side, you know, you're going to have those breakthroughs. It does, it does take courage to stand out as well and make those breaks from relationships and friendships that aren't serving you. And it can right? feel lonely for sure. It can feel lonely, but the certain way to feel lonely is to stay where you don't belong. Exactly. Yeah. To stand out and say, you know what, I'm heading in this direction. That's how you actually attract sort of the people that are in that same space with you, right? Yeah. Um, partnership limits is similar to friendship limits, but this is in your marriage and your relationship where people feel like, oh, my partner doesn't support me. You know, not knowing how to handle triggers and challenges, having the shame and the blame game, feeling unwanted or broken in some way. This will, even though it's not the main part of what we talk about in entrepreneurship, 
I've seen that, especially for women, this is one of the biggest factors for success. If their personal love relationship is not supportive, it's like they can't grow beyond that, right? So it feels like a real ceiling. Money limits, which I think is pretty obvious, you know, it's lack, it's obsessive worry. It's, you know, worry about spending, worry about earning, guilt, judgment, remorse. I mean, you name it, you could throw on every block in there. Time limits. This is where you get to sort of that next level. You're like, oh, how do I create more time? I just can't do it all. I I am feeling that there's a scarcity mentality and this chronic insufficiency in a way that I can't just earn more. I can't create more time. So now what? And the last one is maybe the hardest one to describe is a trust limit. It's that existential crisis where you just feel like a loss of meaning or purpose, getting skeptical, getting sort of hardened and being like, well, maybe it worked then, but it's not working now. How am I ever going to make it through this? So the quality of your, so there are actually seven limits. I don't know how we had eight, but maybe I should add an eighth one. (laughs) You know, all of these limits, like I said, lucky number eight, all of these limits are something that you're going to face. So my big sort of encouragement is to prepare for how you will handle all of these limits and what are the tools that you have? What is the support you can create when they come up? Yeah, beautiful. So how, you know, without giving away everything in your book and everything that you do, what's probably one of the key ways that people can consider that you can share with them of how to handle this in in advance or a tool that we actually have within ourselves that we can be using that not a lot of people are using? I feel like it's a simple concept, but it's a difficult one to practice. And I'll talk about the concept and then the practice. To get what you want, You really can't resist what is happening. In other words, to get what you want, you have to want what you've got. Mm. But this is a conundrum. This is a paradox. Like, I don't want what I have. I want something else. And so the resistance to what is happening, the feeling like you missed the mark, you missed an expectation, you're not where you want to be, you're not with whom you want to be, things are not working out how you expect or want them to, creates this gap that you are here and where you want to be is somewhere else. And at this very moment, you are not there. So by default, it cannot be bridged. And so the work really becomes for how you can soften where you are. So you can say, you know what? Here's the great parts about where I am. Here's how far I've come, for example. Here's how I've grown. Here's how I'm proud of what I've created. Here's what I appreciate where I currently am. You know, I remember my big shift And I've had this so many times because lack mentality was so ingrained in me, lack of everything, lack of money, lack of love, lack of time, lack of lack, lack, lack. (laughs) And I remember having to like do this over and over again. You can look at what's not there or you can say, well, what is here then? I mean, that thing that I want, the clients, the, the opportunities, okay, that's not here. What is here? And so I had to start looking around with new eyes to see, well, what is here? Well, I have my health, for example. Okay, that's something that I largely dismissed for many years of my life because I was like, well, but that doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not, you know, in severe pain or on some crazy amount of medications or something. So I would take it for granted. So I was not appreciating what I had. I had more time, for example, early on to learn, to grow, to connect with people than I do now. I started appreciating the fact that I had the $100 in my bank account because I think Oprah has a quote that... If you're not thankful for what you have, why do you want more? Mm. Yeah. If you're not grateful for the $100, 
Do you really think you're going to be grateful for the next hundred or for the next thousand? And this is something that I saw really commonly that there are people who once they didn't have enough, it didn't matter how much they got. It was never enough. And Mm -hmm. I had experienced that myself in banking. Nothing was ever enough. Yeah, I can imagine. And so the kind of gratitude or appreciation or the focus on what is there in its simplest form is a really transformative practice. If you can say, well, look, I want 20 participants in my program. This is like a common question for much. It's like, I set a vision. My big, hairy, scary goals is 20 participants. And I'm like, how many do you have? Two. And they are hating the fact that they have two. And I'm like, if you were to appreciate every one of those two and to serve them at your highest capacity, two more, 20 more and 200 more would show up. But if you can't appreciate the two, mm-hmm. why should life deliver more to you? Right. Ooh, bam, so you just sit and cross the face. But you're well, so, you know, so true. Like, I remember when I made my first online course sale and I got one person and I was elated. Like I got more after that, but on that particular call, I got one person and I was so thrilled that somebody was willing to pay me $2.97 for my social media bootcamp because it meant all my hard work that they appreciated and valued it. And I was determined, even if it was just one person, to serve them in that best possible way. I was thrilled. Most people are like, oh, that would suck. It's like, no, because right, somebody actually that... was willing to pay me for my my knowledge. It was amazing. And then it it starts a chain reaction. A, yeah. you are excited. You want to deliver. Guess how you now show up on social media with that client. That client is going to turn into a testimonial that's going to sell itself. Your confidence about the fact that you did this work and you sold it, you got paid and you loved it. Everything. It's like a snowball that moves in this direction. Now the snowball in the other direction is, ugh, I only got one that didn't even pay for my time. God, I really don't want to be doing this. Why am I doing this? I'm not inspired. This is like the burnout of the business owner starts to happen when you really can't see the forest through the trees. I mean, it is an honor, you know, and this is a perspective I have. There was no entrepreneurship where I grew up. There was in communism, you just had to do what you were told to do. I sort of vowed to myself, especially thinking of my ancestors, that I will not take this freedom for granted. Nobody's holding a gun to my head saying I have to do this. If I don't like it, I can change it. Yeah. Right. But the energy of appreciation has to be there in order for you to not just arrive at the next level, but actually enjoy the next level. Because there are people that will just manpower and fight their way to the next level. And then they have paid such a high price for it that they don't even care anymore. That is the saddest part a lot of times is, you know, they get to the clients and the launches they want, and then they end up in divorce and their kids are having problems and they're, and it's like too high of a price to pay for something. So my whole thing is success without sacrifice, you know, grow at a pace where you can actually enjoy what you need. And I believe that I have what I need and then I'm open to more. Mm -hmm. So more ends up flowing in without resistance. When you don't want what you have, it's very difficult for anything else to flow in. Beautiful. Such wise words, Lana. Love it. I'm just going to let them like rest with people listening who I hope all around the world are like, ah, like little mental note to yourself. So, so true. And I think that's why the power and the simple, simple yet powerful tool of daily gratitudes is so important. I remember speaking at a conference last year with a a room full of men. It wasn't my normal type of audience. And I actually got them talking about gratitudes and meditation. These were like builders. And the first thing I said, you know, when it comes to gratitudes and you wake up in the morning, if the only thing you got is, oh, I woke up today, it's going to be a good day. Work with that. And everybody like laughed out loud because you could actually see that some of them were like, 
that is actually the only gratitude I have. But from there, it sprung into so many other things. So just being thankful, as you said, for your health and being alive and being able to wake up in the morning. And even just as you were saying it, sitting here thinking about all the things that I already have and I'm so grateful for. On the days when you're feeling a bit shit in your business or things aren't going well, like as you said, do up a list of all the things you already have and that you really should be grateful for because, you know, you already possess those and those are amazing gifts in themselves. You know, and this is the thing that it can't be something that you just repeat that fulfilled you yesterday or the day before. You've got to find something that actually moves you. So I have this, maybe we'll include this. I have a five minute gratitude exercise that I call a turn gratitude on its head. It's a manifesting exercise, but essentially I get you to a place where I'm like, if you're feeling at the verge of tears, you're like doing it right because it has to be something meaningful. Mm -hmm. I give like five or six different gratitude exercises from gratitude walks because I really couldn't sit down and do journaling. It felt very stale to me at that time. So I would start walking and I would literally start with like, I'm grateful for sunshine. I know what it's like to be in snow and I'm just grateful that right now I'm not in the snow and for palm trees or whatever I would start talking about. And so for me, moving my body actually really helped me move into the space energetically. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to do it the way that it works for someone else. You don't have to sit there and meditate for 20 minutes and think everything you're grateful or even journal if you don't want to. There's many, many ways to tap into it. But the key is that it's a muscle. It's a muscle. You practice it, it gets stronger and easier. Now you put me in any situation within seconds, I know what I'm grateful for. But that wasn't the case 20 years ago. I mean, I've just been working out this muscle for all this time. And it is a muscle that I think, you know, kind of atrophies if you don't use it. Mm-hmm. And it is something that is so essential for any kind of fulfillment or happiness. I mean, without yeah. it, no matter what you have, it will never be enough. It will never be fulfilling. With it, what you have is fulfilling and you keep opening gifts from life in every direction. I feel like if if this isn't rocking your world, this when I learned this, I was like, no way this is possible. When I tested it and I saw the quality of my life improve in every direction, from my health to my relationships to money and clients and opportunities flowing in. I honestly wouldn't have believed it unless I saw it for myself. But now I'm so passionate just helping people test it, do an experiment, see the results, and then you know what works for you. Yeah. You are gratitude fit. I was just thinking about CrossFit this morning, (laughs) but you are gratitude fit because you've been exercising that muscle for years. I love it. And it is a muscle like anything. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. Hopefully that has blown people's minds. This has been um, so, so awesome. I know we could chat on, but I would just love for you to leave the listeners with something that I guess is really important to you that you're seeing, particularly in this year of 2020, when this is recorded, where I think more than ever people are having to really draw on some of these personal growth tools. What have you found most helpful for you, for your clients during the uncertainty, especially when it's not uncertainty that you've put out there, you know, it's kind of coming at you and happening to you. And as we've seen throughout this year, some people are thriving and other people are barely surviving. You know, that's really tough to see, but I'm really curious about the people like myself who have been thriving and making the most of it. What have you seen that has totally helped a lot of your clients and even yourself to navigate the uncertainty? I feel like the quality of your life depends on the quality of the questions you ask. And I feel like a lot of people started off when the challenges, really the global challenges started happening, asking, how could this be happening? Which there's no good answer to that. Why is this happening? Also no good answer to that. Like what's wrong with the world? How long will this go? None of these questions are going to get you to a satisfying answer. 
I'm a big proponent of refining a question so you actually get to an answer that feels empowering, enlightening, life-giving, and propels you forward in some way. So things like, well, this is happening. I'm, I, I feel like you have to start with just acknowledgement. This is happening. We have a lockdown or I can't work. I can't travel. Like this is happening. The next question is, how can this serve me? What is in this for me? I'm going to look for the one thing. Okay, well, I can't travel. Oh, I mean, we we joked about it. We're like, well, we saved a lot of money not traveling. You know, I I had to sort of find all of the, we would plan this world schooling travel year and, you know, a lot of things shifted. And I was like, well, we are saving a lot of money. We're getting to spend a lot more quality time together. We are having deeper, more challenging discussions with our kids than we would otherwise at the stage. I mean, I literally just had to start with what is anything that is of benefit and has meaning for me here? That completely directs you in a different direction. You are heading in the direction of the solution. You are no longer in the direction of the problem and making it bigger and bigger and bigger, right? The bigger you make the problem, the more power it's going to have over you. So if you can get to a place where you feel bigger than any problem, you won because every problem looks like an opportunity. So I feel like asking better questions and not, this is a difficult thing to say because it does require quite a bit of self-work. That's why people like me exist in the programs I've exist, but to not resist what's happening because fighting something that is already not working is only going to exhaust you and not going to get you to a result you want. Resisting resistance is only adding more resistance. <laughs> Embracing resistance, finding value in resistance only adds more value to you. Yeah. So to the best of your ability, I feel like when you can ask yourself questions that actually lead you to answers that can move the needle for you in your life today, you know, having more appreciation for the fact that you've gotten closer with your kids or you have saved more money or eaten better foods. We, we, we're not going out to eat as much. We're cooking a lot more. All of these things. Yes, there have been so many changes that have been challenging and they have impacted us on a global level. And for me personally. But I feel like if I can color it good, I can receive the good from it. So Mm -hmm. I start with the assumption that there's something valuable in this. And seekers are finders, right? Whatever I seek, I will find. And so if you can give yourself that kind of perspective shift, even writing down some questions to keep on your desk, I had to do that for a long time. What are the top three questions that I sort of want to use for my perspective shift? Byron Katie, has it's called The Work right? She has three questions and I can't remember all of them, but it's something like, is this thought absolutely true? And what would my life be like without this thought? And it just gets you to think in new ways. And when you think in new ways, you see things in new ways, you show up in new ways and lo and behold, new opportunities, new interactions, new sort of, you know, manifestations show up in your life. It's not magic. It's not happenstance. It's not lack. It's really science. And when you learn to apply it, and you can do so consistently with bigger and bigger things. I look at it as a, as a challenge. I feel like how in alignment with well-being can I stay this year? Because mm-hmm. if I can do it now, I can do it anytime. Yeah. So I'm grateful for life for sort of giving me bigger weights because I'm building that muscle. <laughs> so powerful. And I particularly loved the question, how is this serving me? Yeah. Really, really love it. And you have done the work, lady. I love it. The two decades that you took to just like 
change your life and learn the lessons so powerful and such a gift for us now so thank you so much for being on the show congratulations on the book i know it's going to serve so many people and yeah it's just a beautiful message beautiful questions and some really fantastic insights today that i hope the listeners and myself have taken away and actually going to do something with um starting with just the basics of gratitudes and turning up and loving what you have right now as well as what is coming to you absolutely Thank you so much for having me. Loved our conversation. It's been amazing. Where is the best place for people to reach out and thank you um, and learn more about you? So you can go to my website, lanishlafer.com, or you can get a copy of my book in all of its formats at www.manifestthatmiracle.com. Ooh, and I social got media. That that yeah, is awesome. social media. Yeah, I got the domain and I love to have you know, interactions. I hope this is a dialogue. I hope this, mm. this is, opens up a conversation and that we can actually interact with you listening. Cause I feel like that's where the, the tire hits the road. And I feel like I'm actually connecting with the people that hopefully this is lighting up something in and on social media a lot. Cause I love the interactions. You can see my crazy dance parties. <laughs> oh yeah. You do. love to dance. I love it. Actually, what's your Instagram handle? Because I would love for people to tag a photo of where they're listening in, or even just Take a snapshot of this episode and tag us both so that we know that you've been tuning in and one lesson that you've learned from it. So where can they find you on Instagram? Yeah. So it's Lana underscore Schlafer, S-H-L-A-F-E-R. But if you just type in Lana Schlafer, I'm the only one as far as I know. So you the only one doing me. dance parties. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm feeling so energized after it. I hope you are too. I hope you can see the possibility for where you're at, where you want to be, but also being totally grateful and happy for where you are right now and for what you do have in your life that is working for you. And also being able to see what you want to improve, make better, and exactly how to go and just ask for that and make it happen. Truly inspiring. As Lana said, you can find her on all the good socials and at lanaschlafer.com. That's L-A-N-A-S-H-L-A-F-E-R.com. I will link to that in the show notes, which you can always find at nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast. Look for episode 91 or just search on Lana. By the way, we have a beautiful brand new design of the Untapped podcast. You might see it in your new podcast player. Let me know what you think. Shout out on at Natalie Sisson at Instagram or shoot me an email, natalie at nataliesisson.com to let me know what you think. Very exciting. And the downloads just continue to go up for this podcast, despite the fact that for some reason we were sitting in the health and fitness category. That should never have happened. It always should have been in the business and personal growth. So I am fascinated to see what growth we will have now that we're in the right place. Hope you love the new design. Let me know. Tell me. And if you want to take it that extra step further, please leave me a beautiful five-star rating and review. I do read them all and they really make a difference, especially now we're in the right category, to people finding the Untapped podcast. Woo! That's it from me. I hope you tap into your potential. Have an amazing week and do the work that fulfills you and lights you up.